Vertical Street Ventures is excited to announce their first annual national conference, Financially Free in Three, a conference for real estate investors. This is a two-day event happening on June the 4th and 5th in Scottsdale, Arizona. At this conference, you will hear from experts on how to leave your day job and become a full-time real estate investor. Learn how to buy real estate assets that create passive income for you. Meet hundreds of like-minded people. Understand the tax-efficient strategies to keep more of what you earn and the unique opportunity to take a bus tour around large and small multifamily properties to learn how these investments are operated. There will be world-class speakers and industry experts, including Hunter Thompson, Michael Becker, Paul Peebles, Amanda Hahn, and more. Go to vsvcon.com to grab your ticket. Make the decision to get out from the sidelines and learn about new opportunities to build your wealth. This will be the most critical investment you'll ever make in yourself. Again, visit vsvcon.com today. This is your daily real estate syndication show, and I am your host, Whitney Sewell. Today is a highlight show that's packed with value from different guests around a specific topic. Don't forget to like and subscribe, but also go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up to start investing in real estate today. I hope you enjoy the show. Our guest is Zach Haptenstall. Thanks for being on the show, Zach. Hey, good morning, Whitney. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Very grateful for this opportunity. Thank you. And I'm really looking forward to getting into Zach's story. I think most of the listeners are going to relate to him and what he's done, or you're going to aspire to want to do what he's done over the last year. I mean, he's a multifamily sponsor and syndicator based in Phoenix, Arizona. He's a founder and president of ZH Multifamily, founder and host of Phoenix Multifamily Meetup, a successful meetup with experienced multifamily speakers each month. He's a founder and teacher of 35 Below, a financial education class for young professionals through the Arizona Real Estate Investors Association. Closed his first multifamily deal in February of 2019, a 36-unit, a $3.4 currently has $31 million of multifamily assets under contract, three properties, 272 units in Phoenix and Scottsdale, Arizona, scheduled to close, maybe you can explain, scheduled to close in August, a combination of syndication and tenant in common deals. So Zach, that's impressive what you've done over this last little bit. I'm looking forward to getting into your story, but you know, give us a little more about your background, who you are, in case the listeners haven't heard of you. Yeah, yeah, of course. So yeah, so I was, I was born and raised here in Phoenix. So I pretty much lived here my entire life. I I lived in Colorado for a bit. I had a football scholarship and I realized I wasn't going to make it to the NFL. So I came back. I wanted to be a sports reporter. So I actually got a bachelor's degree in journalism and broadcasting from Arizona State University here. And I was actually a live news anchor and sports reporter on Arizona PBS for about six months. I hosted a show on Fox Sports Network Arizona. And it was cool being on TV at first, but then you quickly realize you don't make any money doing that. You work crazy hours. It's very political. And I was like, man, I just got this degree and I don't want to do this. So I was very discouraged. Prior to that, I was delivering medical equipment nights and weekends to pay for school. My boss was like, hey, man, you can make good money doing healthcare marketing. So I just gotten this, this fancy, expensive degree with student debt. And I said, okay, I'm not going to do journalism. And I got a job of all things as a hospice marketer. So I don't know if you're familiar with hospice care, Whitney, but just for the listeners, it's basically like end of life care, like mobile nursing and caregiving for people with terminal illnesses. So my job was to wake up in the morning, drive all around Phoenix and just walk in cold to like hospitals, doctor's offices, assisted living and build relationships with physicians, social workers, nurses, et cetera, 
when they had a patient needed hospice, they call me, I go meet with the family and patient and get them signed up on services. So, so it sounds kind of weird, but hospice is actually an extremely competitive and lucrative private business industry. Okay. There's a lot of money in it. And Phoenix is the number one market in the country just because it's sunny and a lot of people come here to retire. So, so long story short, I was very blessed to do very well with the hospice marketing. And I, I came from a lower middle-class family that never had, never had money in our family or anything. And I was quickly rising up in this company. I became the director of marketing. Then I became an owner in the company over about a four and a half year span. I got my MBA. I paid off all my school cash. I bought a house. So I was very blessed at a young age, my early 20s, making like 200K plus a year. I'm doing really well. But I was getting burnt out. I was working like 60 plus hours a week on call seven days a week doing something I wasn't passionate about. And I didn't even care about the money anymore. Um, I was getting taxed heavily on commissions. So last January, 2018, I said, screw it. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't know what I want to do, but I don't have any time to even figure it out. And so I knew I wanted to create passive income somehow and gain control back of my time. So I literally, January, 2018, I said, okay, I'm done. And I just, I resigned. I sold my equity in the company. I had literally no plan. I didn't know anybody in real estate. I got my real estate license like two years prior and never used it. It was like a backup plan type of deal. And so I basically wake up every morning like, okay, what do I do now? I had enough savings. I said, I'm going to live off savings for the next 12 months. So I'm going to figure out how to make passive income off of real estate somehow. And I wasn't even thinking multifamily necessarily. I was just thinking passive income. And so kind of like the cliche story, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I, my, I kind of shifted my mindset, just like everybody says. I, I started consuming as much as much real estate content as I could. I was just reading all the books, all the podcasts. And so three months into it, March of 2018, I'm looking at mobile home parks. And so literally I cold called over 90 mobile home park owners here in Phoenix. I was trying to buy one on a seller carry. And I, uh, I found one that looked like a great deal, but I was terrified. You know, I mean, I had analysis paralysis. And I waited like four weeks until I finally called the broker. And he says, oh, we got that under contract yesterday. And I was like, crap. And so... So I kind of got discouraged, but anyways, I kept going. And then I, I started to learn about multifamily and syndication. And because a lot of my, my network is made up of physicians and healthcare business owners from my days in hospice, it just seemed like a much more attractive asset class that they would get into as opposed to the mobile home parks because they all hate their lives too. They're working crazy hours. They just, they have families that couldn't get out of it. I'm, I'm fortunate. Grace and my fiance, we don't have kids and we plan to have several, but so I, was, I knew this was my shot. So I was like, okay, Let's dive straight into multifamily. And I finally decided I'm just going to stay focused. So I started really consuming all that. And I just started cold calling property managers, brokers, lenders, attorneys, everything to try to build a team and started really learning the process that way. So, so six, seven months go by at this point, Whitney, and I made no money, mind you. I'm burning through savings. So I've lost all the confidence I had before. I have like an identity crisis. Wake up every morning like, okay, how can I move forward today? Like, what do I do to be productive to, to move the needle? I go to a conference in Dallas and I join a mentorship program. And basically it's a very valuable network of people. So I spend a ton of money. I join this mentorship program. And I'm like, okay, now I have resources of people who I can partner with and raise capital from to do a deal. Well, that was July of last year. So almost a year ago now, three more months passed by and I didn't find a deal. So I'm even more discouraged. I'm like, I just blew all this money. Well, fortunately... I met a guy in the group. He's got high net worth, high liquidity, and, which I don't. And I needed that to sign on a loan. So we decided to partner up and he's local here in Phoenix as well. We find a 36 unit deal in Phoenix that fortunately penciled and we were just shocked. So we put in an offer and then the offer gets accepted. And we're like, oh crap, what do we do now? We were just terrified because we, we don't know what to do the next step. So we get another contract. And we're like, okay, 
we have this deal in a contract now. It was a $3.4 million deal here in Phoenix. We needed to raise about $1.4 million. So we were just going to do like a small syndication. So we're, we're like 30 days, we're 30 days into it and we're past the inspection period. So we're talking about raising money. And I get a call from a lady, her name is Elisa. She lives in Seattle. We had had several phone calls since then, but we had never really met in person. And she's also part of this network. And she's like, hey, I heard you have this deal under contract. I said, how'd you hear about that? And she's like, well, you know, just through the grapevine. And I said, well, yeah, do you want to help us raise money? And she's like, sure, I could. She looked at the deal and she underwrote it. She, she thought it was a good deal. She's like, how about instead, I'm selling a 12 unit deal in Seattle and it's closing two weeks prior to your deal. Why don't I just 1031 exchange my 12 unit into your 36 unit and we can do a tenant in common, a tick structure. And I said, that sounds great, but what the hell is a tick structure? <laughs> so we, we, figure out, we figure out the tick structure and she brings a, a big chunk of equity. And long story short, we close on that deal earlier in February this year. And so, so we were very blessed to have done that. And I, I, fortunately, I was kind of the point person for, for all the communication with the broker, the lender, the attorney. So I learned a lot about that process. And what everybody says about doing the first deal is true. It's kind of like you're in the club, so to speak. Like it was for me, it was getting a monkey off my back. You know what I mean? Because you spend a year of making no money and going to all these meetups and listening to podcasts and reading the books, you feel like you're a real estate investor. But until you actually have a deal, it's like you're not really a real estate. You know what I mean? And so it's kind of like you get the monkey off your back, you're in the club. And so, so since then, we've been super fortunate. We started just pounding the pavement like the next week. And we, we found a portfolio that was on on-market deal and that one penciled as well. And so we got that under contract. Fortunately, it's, a, it's two properties, a 76 unit, which we are doing a traditional syndication, just like you do, Whitney. And then a 59 unit in Scottsdale, which we're doing another tenant in common, a tick structure. So we have, we're all done with our equity raise and we're just waiting to close on that one. And then just last week, we got 137 units, $17.5 million deal under contract here in Phoenix. And so we're doing our webinar this week. And, and so we've been cranking. So we've been very fortunate to catch that momentum and kind of ride that wave since we caught that first deal. Nice. So, so many things I, I want to ask you about. I've been making some notes here, but I, I want to go way back sure. to even you quitting your job. And, you know, you, you didn't have a mentor or, or like a coach at that time, I don't think. But, you know, you left this $200,000 a year salary and just said, okay, you know, I'm going to quit. I'm going to make it happen. But walk me through that just a little bit about, I know there's listeners that are trying to, are struggling with maybe the same decision, but you know, how are you so confident that, okay, you know, I'm going to make this happen. I've got a year to do it. Yeah. And, and the thing is, I wasn't that confident with me. I didn't, it was kind of like every day it was like very, there was a lot of indecision and I was kind of learning as I went along. I just had been unhappy for like over a year, almost two years in that job. I had a very large six figure salary and I was chasing commissions all the time, but it was just kind of empty. I mean, it was very transactional. So once I started learning about passive income and how to offset taxes and things like that, I knew that this was my long term play, even it's a mind shift, right? Cause it's, it's nice getting those fat checks every two weeks and saving it and stacking it up. And all of a sudden I'm the opposite. It's just burning through and it's a mind shift and you have to just think, okay, this is, this is for the long term. So yeah, every day I would wake up and I was trying to somehow be productive, whether it's reading, whether it's listening to a podcast like yours, which I've listened to several of, cold calling people and meeting with them. And so, so yeah, that, that was kind of how I progressed through that. Great. You mentioned like staying focused on multifamily. I know you, you mentioned a mobile home park, but why multifamily? Why did you say, okay, I'm going to focus on multifamily? Yeah, I, I kind of got to the point where I was, I was reading about single family homes and I was like, no, I don't really want to do that. I really do like mobile home parks and I still want to get into that space. 
But once I learned about syndication, that's when the lights went on. You know what I mean? Because, and I, I never thought I could take down a big building and I was very intimidated by multi-million dollar dollar signs. You know what I mean? And so the more I read and more podcasts I listened to, it gives you confidence because you hear people talking about that they can do it. And they come from backgrounds where they had no idea about it. So for me, I was like, okay, my, my background is in sales and marketing and I feel like I can build strong relationships. So if I can find good assets and be kind of a steward of other people's money to help them and bring these deals together, that just seemed very exciting. And it got to the point where like when I was like three, four months into it, I was like, screw it. Like I have nothing to lose at this point. I've already like thrown everything, but I kind of burned my ships, so to speak. You know what I mean? As Napoleon Hill would say, if he can go rich, I, I kind of like said, I'm not going to turn back. So I might as well just go big and see what happens. And this whole process was just a mind shift. You know what I mean? This was, this was growth and me going through a lot of personal adversity. And so that's kind of, that's kind of how that process went. Our guest is Jared Sturm. Thanks for being on the show, Jared. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you having me as well as all the work that you and your team put forth to allow people like myself to share our stories. So give us a few more details about how you went from that maintenance technician. What changed? When did that change? You know, you were a maintenance technician, and then all of a sudden, you've seen an opportunity to own real estate. Yeah. And I think I was always very driven, but as I was, when I was a maintenance technician, it was just early on. So I was younger. It was just a stepping stone in the progression. But I always had a natural skill set of working with my hands. So the high school I went to had a, a wood shop, and I spent the majority of my time in that wood shop, not in the academics. So had a natural skill set of that and then found something that would pay me to use that skill set. And that was being a maintenance tech. As I was a maintenance tech, I had friends and families members reach out and say, I know you're fixing this. Can you come fix my whatever? And that turned into, can you renovate my bathroom? Can you renovate my kitchen? And so myself and my brother, who today is still my business partner, we started taking on bigger projects, higher end bathrooms, kitchens, additions, And so it grew into somewhat of a construction company. So I would say there was a progression of maintenance tech to construction company. And then in 2008, when we saw the real estate market tanking, we kind of looked around and said, why are we fixing up other people's houses? Let's go ahead and fix up some that we own. And so our first property purchase was in 2008. And all we did was buy the most distressed house and use the, our lack of capital at that time, we substituted it for our work ethic and skill set in construction. And so then that grew and the portfolio continued to scale with our own capital and eventually made the decision to switch over to the syndication model to grow at an even faster pace. How fast was that progress? And you got up to 200. How long did it take to get to 200 units using your own capital? About seven years. So that was buy the property, renovate it, pull the equity out one way or the other, sale or refinance, move on to the next property, do the same thing. And so it was a slow growth process of so redeploy, delayed gratification, just take the time, reinvest it back in and learn the process and get comfortable with how to operate these properties for those seven years. And you mentioned delayed gratification. That's hard. And then mm-hmm. like, you know, you want to see results right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're a prime example of reaping rewards. You're not 30 yet, but I mean, you got $30 million now in multifamily assets, you know, under control. So, I mean, it's pretty amazing story, you know, that you're willing to have that delayed gratification, just keep pushing through, keep pushing through, because I know that's not easy every day, right? It's not easy to keep that going. But now 
you know, now look at what you've built. And so, you know, tell us though, from, you know, that the 200 units, like moving into the, your first syndicated deal, what was that deal? How did you move from the 200 units and give us some of that story? Yeah. So I guess in the beginning or through those seven years, I did have people reach out and express interest and say, you know, I see the success you're having, you're investing this capital and it's coming right back out within a short time frame, And I'd be interested in deploying some of mine. And honestly, for that time, I didn't think we were going to do it. So I didn't want the responsibility of raising capital. I even to this day, the way I saw it was people trade small portions of their life to earn that money. And if I'm going to take it, I'm essentially playing with little portions of people's lives. And I didn't want that responsibility. And it wasn't until we had a mindset shift of, I didn't want the responsibility till I saw we can give people this benefit. So we had the successes we were having. And I think what prompted that was my dad, who is like the most financially disciplined person, I should say my parents, most financially disciplined people. And they were going through retirement planning and we were sitting down helping them with the numbers. And I realized their 401k that they followed the textbook way of retirement, work in the job for 30 years, put into the 401k. While they're doing fine and they're well off, it was less than they expected with following all the rules. And so we actually helped them buy a small multifamily and partnered with them using some of those retirement funds. And it worked out so well. We looked around and said, we can help other people do this as well. Now I'm interested in having that responsibility rather than getting away from it. And we saw what it could do for other people. And so that's when it shifted and said, let's take on this responsibility. Let's help others. Let's grow their capital and let's make what happened there for my parents for other people. And so I think that was the shift that really prompted it. Nice. Okay. So you've seen an opportunity, didn't you? I mean, you were able to help them and it's like, oh, wait a minute, you know, this wasn't as bad as maybe you first thought, but you also seen opportunity to help lots of people and then and to grow your business as well. So tell us about, you know, moving from there and what type of deal was that? But then how did you move into the first syndication? So that was just a smaller 16 unit multifamily. It was directly adjacent to one of our bigger properties. And so our cash was tied up at that time. We were just having this discussion with my parents. And so ultimately, there was a, a partnership struck there. And I guess the start of the syndication. Our next one was a 93-unit deal. We was completely off market, put it under contract. I put together the marketing package to send out to investors. And I sent it to one investor who I had was a good friend of ours and said, you know, can you give me some feedback before I send this out? This is my first go at it. And he said, if you take half of it, I'll take the other half. And so the syndication raising kind of went easier than normal on that one. So that's the way we handled it is we split the equity raise 50-50 syndicated. It. And so there's only one investor on that one, but gave us a confidence to go into the next few. And we didn't take that same route. We limited the investments going in on the next one so that we could build the investor pool. Nice. Okay. So you limited the amount somebody could invest or so more people could invest. Right. Yeah. 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 So I plan to be doing this another 20, 30 years. And so I realized part of my job in growing this company is to build out an investor pool. Right now, capital is abundant and the bottleneck in the company is not raising money, it's finding quality deals. And so, but at some point in time, that will shift, right? So raising money will become hard and quality deals will be more available. And so I have to prepare our company for that. And to do it, I need to build relationships and performance-based relationships with lots of investors. So we're doing that by 
allowing more people to participate where that first one, it was just one, which was really good because it helped us test the waters and understand it with only one investor on board. And again, organic growth that kind of test the waters, grow, build on that, try again, build on that. So how did you meet that one investor? I'll try to condense the story. So when we made the decision to go into the syndication model, we reached out to the people who had expressed interest in investing. And I would say that was probably like 50 to 80 people. And about half of them said, I'm looking for cash flow. The other half said, give me a market where there's appreciation growth and wealth preservation. And Cincinnati is the market that I'm working in, Cincinnati, Ohio. It's a really, really good cash flow market, but I would say it's very, it doesn't have the huge swings as like the coastal market or the Southeast. And so we looked out at other markets. Ultimately, we made the decision to pursue Atlanta. The only way I know how to open up a market is the way I did it before. And that, so I moved down to Atlanta for two years. Don't want to go too in depth, but ultimately that wasn't a success. So like we tried to buy for two years and didn't find any success there. Just we were had no competitive advantage. But in that process, I met a lot of good people. One of them was this investor. So he holds a high corporate level in the NBA, specifically with the Hawks down there. And I had started a real estate meetup group when I moved to Atlanta just to break ice and meet people. And he had sat in the back of the room for several meetings and then asked me out for coffee. And we had a discussion and started a friendship. And then that grew from there to a partnership. Okay. So from a meetup... For yep. a meetup, you met this guy. Mm -hmm. And so what about that 50 to 80 though? You know, how did all those people know you? You know, how did they already connect with you and want to invest with or at least to reach out? They were at least interested, right? How did you mm -hmm. connect, you know, for the most part with all of them? Yeah, I get that question a lot. And so my friends and family network, I come from a lower middle class upbringing. And so that wasn't a network I was using to build investor relationships because we're working with accredited investors. And my friends and family network doesn't meet those requirements for the most part. And so what helped with to build that 50 to 80 potential investor number was I had been writing for years for Bigger Pockets, a website that puts out articles. And so I would write there with the intention of just helping people. And I would have people reach out and say, your, your investment philosophy, your experience, everything aligns. If you're ever looking to gain investors, let me know. And while we our intention wasn't to do that at the time, I was savvy enough to keep track of them. So I knew like potentially this could be a good resource. Something may arise where I need this. And so, you know, I used a CRM to keep track of these people and really kept a good relationship with all of them. And so I'd reach back out if they were investing in syndications that had nothing to do with me, they would bounce ideas off of me. How, what does this underwriting look like? Does this make sense? Because they knew I wasn't a professional money raiser. I was a professional operator. And so I knew what to underwrite things at, where potential problems would be. And so they would start asking me questions about other deals they were going into. I would be giving feedback on what they were looking at. And I think they really appreciated that. So then when it came time for us to actually market a deal, they already had a relationship with us and a feeling for how we underwrite, how we look at investments and all of these things, which helped you know when we're raising, make that go more uh, seamlessly. Thank you for being a loyal listener of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Please subscribe and like the show. Share it with your friends so we can help them as well. Don't forget, go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up and start investing in real estate today. Have a blessed day.